Hello, my name's Jane Slavin, and this is a podcast of Spurious Morality. And welcome to a podcast of spurious morality. I'm Johnston, and with me this week I have Connor. Hello. And we're joined by a guest. We haven't had a guest for a while, so we thought we'd get an absolutely brilliant one. Uh, we have Jane Slavin with us. Hello, I'm excited to be here. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, so we have got a series of questions and talking points that we're going to throw at you uh, as we tend to do on our our guest based episodes um, so hopefully they're all uh, they're all okay um the spoiler warning this week uh, it's it's a fairly broad one we've just put anything featuring jane slaving because we don't know what will <laughs> come up we've got our talking points but anything could come up out of it so We'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll have that as a very broad spoiler warning. Um, so uh, we'll jump straight in, if that's all okay. It's all okay with me, yeah. Marvellous. In that case, uh, our first question is uh, quite a broad one, I think. Uh, how and when did you start acting? Oh, um, well, my parents would say when I was born, um, they did start taking me to the theatre when I was... I think they started when I was about six, maybe even younger. And um, and I used to have, um, my dad gave me a microphone and I would have two or three tape recorders and I would make little radio plays with just me doing all the voices. So I guess, and that was, I'd have been about, I'd have been in about the second class at primary school. So yeah, about six. So it was it was very much a straight away thing then. It was always gonna be be acting. Oh yeah. Yeah. And my dad my dad once said to me, um, he said, You're an actress before you're a human <laughs> <laughs> Um and at the time I thought that was a bit insulting. And more recently I think he's right, you know, it's kind of in your it's just it's just who you are, it's what you are. It's not I don't try and be an actress. I just am. It's just, you know, the way I see things is slightly different. It's full of drama. Everything's full of colour or poetry or, you know, not in a good way or a bad way. Just that is just the way I am. And, and, and you know, the way the way he brought us up, the way they they 
they both brought us up, but it was my dad who took us to the theatre. We went to the theatre every week. And also, we watched a lot of telly. Um, you know, t- television wasn't like a bad thing in our house. It was, you know, cultural activity. So, um, yeah, I, and it, I just knew always. I don't remember not wanting to be an actress. And, you know, with the microphone and everything, when I got my home studio, um, it just felt like I'm doing this job that I've wanted to do since I was six years old. I feel really, really lucky. Even if you're having the worst year ever and you're not earning much money, I'm still mucking around like I was when I was six. So, yeah, um, uh, I... I check myself regularly and think, oh, <laughs> this is this is what I wanted to do. That's absolutely fantastic because we've we've talked to quite a few people who've kind of who've fallen into it. Um, you know, maybe a little bit later on, it's, it wasn't necessarily the first thing they wanted to do. Or... Oh, m- madness, madness, because it, it, um, it's not it's not the easiest job. So to fall into it. Or, or for it to be, if you could do anything else, I would say do the other thing, because it's so it, it's wounding, not being able to do it. You know, when you have, you know, when you have periods of rejection or unemployment or whatever, it's it feels wounding. So yeah, I'd say I'd say, I mean that would that's my advice to someone. If you yeah. if there is something else you could do, do it. You mad fools. So a, a kind of question too kind of follows on a little bit from that then, which was what was mm. your, um, well, first of all, what was your first experience of Doctor Who um, as like generally as a, as a the big, wonderful thing that it is? But then the second part of that would be sort of what was your first experience of acting in Doctor Who? Um, my first experience of Doctor Who was, I think it must have been the tail end of John. Um, I rem- yeah, I remember. I do remember his purple jacket and his ruffly shirt. But then, I but then I remember Tom. Tom was. Oh, I used to just look at him and think, "Oh, I want to marry him." Um, but obviously I was too young for that. Um. And then my first experience of acting in it was with John Pertwee in the 90s when um, I got a call from the BBC saying they were doing The Paradise of Death uh, starring John Pertwee and Elizabeth Sladen. And I thought, oh my God, that's that's the original deal, you know. Um, so that was, it was kind of exciting, but I didn't really, I didn't really grasp how big it was. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. I I didn't really grasp how big it was, because uh, I remember, you know, I knew John Pertwee and I knew Liz, uh, but I actually knew Liz through Brian, her husband, because I'd worked with him a lot on the radio. So, um, uh, that was why she was more familiar, and also she had she had been companion to both of them, hadn't she? To to Tom yes. and John. Um, I always get it. I always get it mixed up. I can never remember who's companion to who, to whom. Um, but um, but I remember going into the green room, and there was a guy there. Uh, uh, you know, quite a few, quite 
quite a few actors there and there was a guy there, an older man. And I said, oh, hi, my name's Jane. And he said, oh, hello. <laughs> and I said, and who are you? And one of the other actors said, it's the fucking Brigadier. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Nick Courtney. So, But I didn't know who he was, but I was supposed that they were horrified that I would be so ignorant. It's the fucking Brigadier. That's who it was. So that made me... That gave him an importance after that forevermore. Can imagine, yeah. Just, uh, that's, I suppose that's it. It's it's had so many people involved with it over the years and obviously that's a number that's just growing and growing and growing and growing. Uh, it, it must be impossible to keep track of all of them. I mean, I struggle to keep track of all of them. and I'm just a sort of a humble fan. But, I mean, it's the hum- humble fans who know all this stuff... You know, generally, if you've not followed the show or, you know, I was, I don't know, seven or something when when Doctor Who was on, when I was watching Tom Baker. So how was I to know, you know? But um, it was like, I realised it was like a kind of church then and that it it's your, we have to make it our job to know and to find these things out because these people deserve real respect they're adored you know yeah absolutely um connor do you want to go with the next one yes absolutely so you'd already mentioned it a little there um but um your first appearance or it's it, i have <laughs> said appearance but uh it's not a word that really applies when you're talking about audio um but your first mm. doctor who uh role i suppose was uh the paradise of death and you've already mm. talked a little bit about it there but could you tell us a little bit about your recollections of working on uh, uh on the paradise of death i mean that's it really you know also i remember um things that then came back to me years later when we started doing big finish when i started join the big finish family things like that that um we'd have photographs and whoever was the doctor would have his, you know, costume available or, an, a, 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 you know, Tom doesn't wear his costume, but he has a costume that he puts on for the photographs, you know, and it's his shirt and his braces. And I remember um, John Pertwee had the coat it, on the on like the third day of the job, he pulled his purple velvet coat out it was amazing and I thought how has he still got that why would he still have it but you you forget again because I wasn't privy to that whole Doctor Who world that these things are precious and um, really important so on this was the first radio I'd ever done where we did uh, photographs and Liz was all dressed up and John I mean I'd like to see some of them I, I don't think I ever I don't think I ever saw what came out but um yeah so that so I remember that and I remember that being really different and then not thinking about it for years and then doing big finish and you know at the end of um the end of the lunch break um we all decamp to either the car park or somewhere and have our photographs taken um and uh, and I thought oh yeah it's big it's a big thing oh also I remember I 
binned my script, as you do, and put it in the recycling bin at the BBC. And um, it was like, <laughs> it was like you, know, in, you know, in Kuala Lumpur when you're walking up the steps and all the monkeys jump on you if you've got a banana or something. I don't know. That, that's my memory of Kuala Lumpur. It felt like that with actors going, what are you doing? And pulling my script out of the bin. And saying, we can sell that for charity or you can't throw a Doctor Who script away. Um, but you know what? You have, you have, if you get hundreds of them, you have to throw them away. I imagine that there are probably quite a few actors out there who have built up enormous script libraries over the years and, oh, and completely. that sort of thing. I mean, I went to the funeral of a very dear friend a few weeks ago and her coffin was covered in just front pages. It was papered with front pages of scripts from the radio. Uh, and there must have been That's rather about, nice, actually. It really was. It was It was incredibly moving. And her, and her husband had a pile of the ones that were left over, and he said there are still about 500 left over, you know. Yeah, I can only imagine that if you throw uh, a Doctor Who script in the bin at the BBC these days, there's an army of fans waiting to jump into the bin after it. Um, well, yeah, this, I mean, this is what happened. It was, uh, it wasn't fans, it was other actors. And I think I remember one of the actors a couple of years ago trying to sell one on eBay. Um, so I was, I mean, I was trying to work out, I think I can guess who it was, but I'm not going to share that with you. Um, yeah, so there are some scripts, and somebody somewhere has got my script with all my doodles and scribbles on, pulled out of the bin. <laughs> Paradise of death. I've seen quite a few pop up for, for charity and that kind of thing, and yeah, it must yeah. be sort of a great thing to have, but at the same time, I can imagine that actors will have a lot of them, and you know, writers as well, and all that sort of thing will have oh, all of these yeah, copies my big that they can collection. use. The, the the big finish collection just got too big. I mean, if I kept every script, I'd need a well, I'd need an extra room in my house. A, a big finish script room. I know, and I did. I have got one. He's a really good friend of mine. He's a massive Doctor Who fan, um, and I've given him a few scripts, saying, "Do you want this one? It's the first Anne Kelso script." Or, um, I think I might have given him a Dalek universe. Oh no, Dalek universe! I would have had. They would have just been digital. Um, but yeah, I gave I gave um, my friend Tim quite a few scripts, and he was very happy to have them, uh, which was great to get rid of them. Really, you want them to go to a good home. You want them to go to someone who's going to go. Oh my God! You know, this is proper and exciting. You know, rather than be locked away in a cupboard somewhere. Absolutely, and um, we've, we've we've moved on then, as you say, to uh, to your time with Big Finish, your work with your uh, work with Big Finish. Um, the range that you're probably most associated with um, there is the Fourth Doctor Adventures because mm. you've you've been in very many of them, um, both in the recordings and and I think um, reading it in the studio as well. Um, yeah. But what has what has it been like to work uh, so extensively uh, on the Fourth Doctor uh, stories at Big Finish? It's you know what it's been. Um, uh, it, it, I mean, apart from them being great fun, they are really good, great, great fun. Those scripts. Um, working with Tom was has been um, 
just such a I don't want to say journey um because I hate that word when it's not an actual A to B journey um but it's been such a privilege because he's so you know when you meet your heroes and they turn out to be heroic and good and kind and funny and um and that's what happened with Tom um and added to that we just became friends he's such a oh he's just a he's like my family you know I feel like he's a family member and uh so that so I'd say I took that away and also um you know meeting people like David Richardson Nicholas Briggs the writers uh have so many of them um Dorney you know that's all been um I mean David Richardson's one of my best friends don't tell him I said that um uh you know I just adore him I feel like I just feel enormously privileged to have been a part of it all and um I'm trying to work out when the last one that went out was because obviously I can't tell you about anything that may happen <laughs> ever I hate that this is one of the worst things about working for Big Finish is you do something and then oh I'm afraid it's not coming out till 2047 uh, and you can't say anything about it until then <laughs> I mean, I exaggerate, but not by much. <laughs> I know, I know. It's uh, it's a case of hearing these things and uh, thinking, oh, I'll, 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 I'm looking forward to hearing that someday, eventually. Oh my, <laughs> I know. Or just, or just not being allowed to talk about it. And you know, when, like, for instance, when Anne Kelso was announced, I mean, it was firstly I couldn't talk about it because of the twist. Um. But also, I'd recorded it something like three years before. And uh, and they had asked me, can you not tell anyone? I thought, oh, my God, not tell, how can I not tell anyone in that time? You, I was so desperate to tell people. I, wanna, I wanted to tell the world I'm going to be the companion. I'm going to be Tom's companion. Companion to the fourth doctor. How exciting is that? And I couldn't tell a soul. It's it's definitely a running theme between uh, people we've had on this podcast. Actually, they've all said sort of something fairly similar, which is you know it's very strange. Um, we've spoken to a few writers. We spoke to Jacqueline Rayner, and she said that she wrote something that was very sort of current and sort of tapped into <laughs> yeah. things that were going on at the time. But by the time it was released, years had passed, and she kind of felt as though it it wasn't sort of on the pulse as it had been when it was written. Oh. Um, Truly, I can imagine it's a fairly similar experience uh, with performance as well. That was the one that got uh, made as a as a Black Mirror. Uh, Jacqueline had written it before. It was it was done as a Black Mirror yes, episode. That was it. It came yeah. out after, uh, and then everyone was asking her, "Why did you just copy the Black Mirror thing?" <laughs> oh, that's awful! Just awful. I, the, I found the easiest ones to write for were Survivors because. Um, it it was just a completely made up universe um but you could kind of like my first survivors was set in the 70s so it was never going to date it was always going to be you know set then and then it was just an absolute um work of imagination 
there was nothing current or topical. It was all just what was in my head at the time. So obviously, um, you 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 played Anne Kelso. You were uh, Tom Baker's uh, brand new companion, uh, mm-hmm. and then Anne Kelso became Anya Kingdom. Um, she did, and you've obviously done Dalek Universe and various other things as Anya. Um, uh-huh. What would you say? Uh, how was it sort of different to play one to the other? How was playing Anne different to playing Anya? Sort of what what changes did you make, as it were? Um, I'll tell you the first, the first thing was I was introduced to my companion as Anne Kelso, and there was no suggestion even of Anya Kingdom. Um, and as uh, as soon as I read the script and saw Anya, I was quite I was impressed and excited about the change, but I knew that it spelled the end for Anne. And I was devastated because I thought I wanted to, I wanted to be a, one of the companions like, like Liz or Leela that can just go on and on and on forever, <laughs> and they, you know, they seem to. And um, so I was devastated because it it seemed to, it seemed to give, Anne just just the one season. Um, so for a while. After I got the script, I was a bit annoyed with Dorney for writing this twist and for basically killing off Anne um, uh, because I was so fond of her and because she was the companion that I thought I was going to be. And then actually, once I got to know Anya, um, she's she's better, I think. I don't know, I can't, I feel like, oh, I just feel like I betrayed Anne then by saying that. Yeah, no, I think eventually I realised as well that all the companions have, like, as the doctors do, have a short time um, in our lives. So you can't be, you can't just be doing it forever and ever and ever, much as we would like them all to do. And obviously people like Tom and Colin and... um, do any of the others do it so constantly? Yeah, probably. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just wanted uh, longevity. I wanted, I wanted to to be playing Anne for years and years and years. So the difference when with with Anya, um, and Anya's more, you know, worldly wise, isn't she? And although for <laughs> I have to say for about six months. I thought she was an alien. I didn't, I didn't even realise. This is my comprehension of Doctor Who, is that sometimes I don't know whether I'm playing an alien or a human. And I'm thinking, well, how can they breathe otherwise? What What are they doing on this weird planet? And then someone will say, we're actually on Earth, Jane, so it's fine. Oh, you know, I, it's uh, it's confusing. It's interesting that you sort of say that you wish there was more Anne because um, in in last week's episode uh, mm. we actually looked at the Syndicate master plan uh, and we went through it episode by episode and one thing we sort of said was it would be absolutely great if at some point Big Finish kind of went back and go did back, a go back, tell them Write further to them. adventures style <laughs> box set uh, maybe set yeah. after the second third episode sort of earlier on and we can just kind of we can extend that out a little bit so uh, yes yes yeah, suggest that suggest that to, I agree and also to David Richardson. I'm a 
I'm a big fan of um, going back in time as well. So uh, offer uh, there are quite a few that I've read, not uh, uh, not not been in, but quite a few I've read with Tom, where we've visited, you know, Victorian England or the seventies or something like that. And so and so I love those. Let's go back in time, and it'd be great for him to go back in time and meet Anne because he so loved her. So yes, we should. There should be more. There should definitely be more of Anne Kelso. Yeah. And in, but then don't they in big Finnish that? land? That kind of thing can happen. Exactly, it can. I mean, and they just erase your memory, don't they? So they fix it all by erasing, erasing you by the end. So yeah, it's perfectly possible. That would be great. See if we could get. We. I mean, we could get Tom to do it, but you know, Anya's been companion to uh 10 so maybe oh 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 uh she could um she could go on a 1970s jaunt with chris chris freckleson how cool would that so be? we could we could just meet every doctor yeah that's yeah, a great I'd love idea. that. I love Chris. I've loved working with him. He's great. He's very funny. Thank I think um you know, you've talked about companions that can can uh, go on and on and on. I think the thing or one of the things I love most about companions like Anne is that she's brand new to us as listeners. Like we don't know mm. what's going to happen to her and it's that feels like the best way of recreating, you know, what it's like to watch Doctor Who on 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 TV. Um Yeah, you're right. Because You're not it's, waiting it's all brand for that new. terrible moment, yeah. Yeah, and you've you've got the suspense of it all. Um, yeah. So I think that sort of gives Anne an edge, and 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 Anya an edge. That's why I enjoyed listening to those stories so much. Um, but um, so as as you've mentioned there again, you've said uh, uh, Anya later did go on and and travel with uh, a later Doctor with uh, the tenth Doctor. What's it like mm. to play the same uh, companion with two different versions of the Doctor? Um, it's quite interesting because the way the doctors are written, obviously they've written, they write them really cleverly for each doctor. So you know, David has, um, he ten has a different way of being, doesn't he, from um Tom's doctor. Uh, uh, but ultimately the doctor is the same person, obviously. Uh, so it, what it boils down to is what it's like working with those two actors and how different they are. And um, uh, Tom and David both have in common a real... Um, they really care about it. They they really... Um, they're diligent. They both really prep their scripts and they care deeply about this character. Um so so those yeah those are the similarities and um to, you know tom's very um funny and indiscreet and uh loquacious and david is good and kind and intensely private uh, partly because of you know the different eras that they've been famous in in that david has really been denied a private life whereas tom tom 
has always had way more privacy and was not a doctor during the times of paparazzi and press invasion the way David was. Because I think, yeah, I think David's really been um, invaded by press, which makes him um, not not guarded, just um, it's off the table, you know. He's not going to be massively indiscreet like Tom would. It's quite an interesting uh, thought, really, that maybe uh, playing the Doctor's brought probably an equal amount of fame, but a different different type of fame, uh, dependent on on the time, I guess. And I suppose that's something uh, yeah. that will always evolve. Well, because I think Tom has had a kind of long-term worship, uh, whereas David's had a long-term scrutiny. You know, the way they scrutinise. They want to know everything about Georgia. They want to know everything about his kids, where he lives. And, oh, that's going to wear you down, isn't it? And not that you would know it, because he never seems worn down. But you just know that that is why he's, you know, an intensely private individual. He, he used to do uh, a podcast where he'd sort of invite, you know, different... Um... Uh, people like Olivia Coleman and Jodie Whittaker and people he had worked with um, and was friends with on and he, he would interview them um, but one of his one of the questions he always asked was you know what is your reaction to becoming public property um, yeah. that was that was the phrase he used you know what's what's it, what how do you cope with becoming public property um, which is a it's 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 something you don't ever really think about I suppose from the outside um, yeah. but it, it, it must be catastrophic to to have your life upended in that way i suppose oh my goodness yeah i mean you can't you can't you you you're, you've got to always be on in a way you can't um uh you know have off days you can't uh you can't do anything naughty you can't do anything wrong um because it's magnified ten thousand times uh, you know i'm not saying he would want to do anything wrong but he really doesn't have the choice you know um I remember that podcast. I also think he's really an excellent interviewer. Who knew? He, he um, was superb. That that really stuck really, out. He was absolutely fantastic. He? Absolutely brilliant. I love those interviews. I would quite like to see some more, hear some more, actually. Um, yes, absolutely. And he, 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 he asked some really interesting questions. You know, I, I remember the one with um, Billy. Billy bi it was really interesting about Billy because she's had such a fucked up adolescence with her. Sorry, am I allowed to say that? A messed up adolescence. No, you are her, you're allowed to say it. Okay. With, the, with, you know, the whole being a pop star and living on her own age 14. And, um, yeah, it's really interesting just some interesting chats he had and he's still got that curiosity hasn't he yes and I, I, that 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 again stuck out that he's he seems fascinated to be sitting talking to these people and, and learning about them as well but i always loved yeah. that he had a really wide range of guests on as well um oh, completely yeah like i i did sometimes pick and choose you know with people that i was familiar with and whatnot but one that always stuck out in my head as one of the best was stacy abrams who was the governor i can't remember if she was the governor or the senator of georgia um but he had her on for an interview yes. um yes. And she was brilliant she was so good absolutely yeah it was amazing and you thought god how does he know her this is wonderful 
<laughs> yeah. So Amazing. Oh, I, I would love to hear another series of that. Really, really would. Mm. It's kind of raised a question, or maybe think of a question anyway, that's not on. Mm. I'm going off script. I do apologise. Oh, he's going off piece. Um, I'm going off piece. But obviously, um, you you in your profession, you obviously do meet many weird and wonderful people from all walks of mm. life. Um, who's who's the most amazing person you've met? Oh my goodness. What a question. It was an um, off-script question, so it could go anywhere. I'd have to have a think about that one and get back to you. Um, I mean, so many. I really liked... God, I loved him. Michael Williams. Um, Finty's dad. Judy's husband. Ah, uh, yes. Um, he was really wonderful in a very kind of humble way. Um, oh, God, I don't know. There are so many. There are so many. You meet, you know, you, you you meet one on every job that you think, oh, God, I want you to be my friend. I adore you, you know. Um, I Yeah, I mean, I worked with, years and years ago, I worked with Faye Weldon. Uh, and she was pretty amazing. And we became friends, like, pretty much immediately. And were, you know, then I would have dinner with her every week. And, you know, she was a great champion. And um, so Faye, yeah, I would say Faye. And, you know, when I had my daughter, um, she's called Mabel Faye Partridge. So she's named after Faye. So, yeah, Faye was pretty amazing. I mean, just a, you know, an, a brilliant, diamond-sharp, very funny, twinkling brain, wonderful woman. Just wonderful. Terribly, terribly sad when she died. Oh, that was an excellent answer as well, actually. Yes. Yeah, brilliant answer. Um, so, um, so uh, Don at Universe... Um, mm. It was a it was a lockdown project. Uh, it was, I think, yeah, correct. Yes. Mm. So, um, just tell us about your experiences with lockdown recording. Um, no, I was quite excited. I was going to do it anyway, um, and I was going to buy the equipment just for me because uh, I had some, but I didn't. It wasn't very good. Um, it you know it wasn't professional standard, but I, obviously I've always had stuff I can record on. Uh, but so I was going to do it anyway, and then I think before we'd even before we'd even locked down properly, David Richardson called and said, "Have you got a microphone?" <laughs> and really, for Big Finish, it was a no-brainer for them to go remote and see if we could possibly do it because they record all of us separately anyway in separate booths um, and and all the designers know how to deal with that. It's totally different on a radio play. Um, so I got my equipment really early on. I had it way before um, we, we did our first recording, which was with Tom. And I don't think, uh, I think I was just reading in with, with initially on the the very first one anyway, I think I was just reading in. Um, and then we did loads, loads. Um, and it was, um, it was a lifesaver for us. 
I think. I don't mean financially. Um, it was it gave us a purpose and it made us feel like we were still in the business. We were still valid. We were still creating, you know? Um, and I, they do, they still do, Big Finish still do quite a lot remote now. Um, I, I prefer personally to be in the studio because I like to have a laugh in the green room. And when you're doing it remotely, you're literally just getting the work done and <laughs> That's no fun. I want to have, you know, big belly laughs with Chris Eccleston and Tom Baker in the green room. I mean, who wouldn't? Whereas you just can't, you just don't. Everyone gets on with it, you know, when when it's it's just in your ears. So uh, that was my experience. It was uh, quick and, um, yeah, and I did lots of uh, stuff for the BBC as well at the same time once I'd got the equipment set up and I called Benji Clifford. I forgot his name right, haven't I? I love Benji. Anyway, I called Benji and said, "Which what's the best microphone? I don't want to get just a USB thing. Um, and uh, got set up within, within like 24 hours. It was... Um... I had a fairly similar experience. Um, I um, a DJ every now and again. I, I sort of do just for fun. I used to do it as a mm. job just for fun now. Um, but when we went into lockdown, all of a sudden the DJing in bars and all that kind of thing on Friday nights, that just came to an end. It just stopped. Of course, yeah. Um, and very quickly I thought, well, you know, how how can I carry on doing this? Um, I'd, I'd stopped doing it and I'd kind of got back to it a few months before lockdown. So I was just oh. getting back into the flow. Um, so I kind of figured out, well, I can do live streaming. So figured out how to live stream, got the equipment that I needed. And two weeks into lockdown, um, I was I was doing these charity streams. Um, we did Wonderful. Mind Manchester. And... It's really important though, isn't it? To You, you realise how much you do it for your whole being yourself your soul it, it's nothing to do with money or making a living it is just that you need to do this it's extraordinary yeah, it, isn't it? it it was very much it was i mean it was the only kind of creative output that i managed over lockdown I mean, we talked yeah. about creative output over lockdown before we started recording but yeah. it was sort of the one thing i managed to do was at the very least i can sort of do these these video streams and it was it was a real sort of uh, it was something I was really glad I could do because oh, lockdown yeah. did stop us from doing so much. Yeah, I'm feeling seen or heard or that someone has benefited in some way or you know you don't none of us wanted to be just staring at four walls. You know there were lots of people who were on their own, like completely on their own. I had my daughter, thank God, but um, yeah, I mean, I think even more important to to find a way of reaching out of those four walls and connecting. And it's it's it, it's great that people did have these sort of lockdown projects, and it's great that things like Big Finish were able to continue. And I actually yeah. imagine that for you know certain people in the industry it was probably a, a nice little lifeline um, oh yeah absolutely for everyone the writers everyone yeah absolutely um to you know to give you a purpose 
Yeah, we did tons, actually. I remember doing the Dalek Universe over three weeks and it was during a heat wave and we were all just naked in our wardrobes, just <laughs> sweating <laughs> David Tennant under a duvet, you know, with obviously we all had full houses as well with our families or, but I mean, David's got about 18 children. So <laughs> it was, <sighs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it was interesting, interesting times. It's, when you think about it, it's amazing that he managed to get uh, Dalek Universe done. It's a miracle that he managed to get staged done. Uh, you know what, though? He is an absolute workaholic. And um, he's he, even though he's one of the busiest actors in the UK, um, he always seems to be, whenever... Um, you know, I've done various things with him on the radio as well, just BBC. Um and he always seems to make himself available. He's like, you know, rampantly voracious appetite for work. And thankfully, Big Finish helped continue that through lockdown. Um, yeah. And we, I think we're still we're still getting David Tennant Big Finish content that was that was recorded at that time. Yeah. Uh, that we probably would never have got otherwise. I know, although he does, like I say, he just seems to, you know, be filming something and he'll still make himself available to come and do a day's radio. Which is just fantastic. Yeah, he obviously just loves it. I mean, you know, it's not the best paid job in the world, the radio. And you'd think at some point, I know lots of actors, um, especially when they get really big, just go, oh, you know what, can't be asked doing that anymore. Um, uh, but he's not one of them. Well, hopefully we'll uh, get plenty more Big Finish and oh, other radio think... stuff from him moving forward. Yeah, I think forward. you will. I think you will. And of course now we've all got we've all got the setup now. So even if you know, even if it was inconvenient to go to a studio or something, you can all there's all you can always just pop upstairs and do what we're doing now and re record something from home. I think I remember reading an interview with um, Derek Jacobi talking about something. Um, I think it was I can't remember. I think it was something he had done was going to be on TV, um, and he finished the interview and said, "He said, look, I'd love to chat some more, but I've got a little studio down in the shed at the bottom of my, of my uh, garden, and I'm going to go and do a Doctor Who now, so I'll have to go." <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! Brilliant! But yeah, it's 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 just good to hear that it it was it was a great lifeline for for a lot of people it's it's yeah, really it's sort of good to hear that um we're going to uh turn the conversation into a slightly different direction now oh um, are we now we are uh because you write as well now uh, we've talked about acting let's talk about some writing um mm. it's it's quite a broad question this first one but um what what kind of stuff inspires you uh um it's hard to tell, really. I was commissioned recently to write a short story, and the um, it's for a photography magazine called Hot Shoe, and they, I've done a story for them before. They asked me to do one a couple of years ago, um, and they send photographs or artwork by whoever's in the magazine that week, and it just triggers, <laughs> triggers stuff. 
I mean, it's quite extraordinary. Um, and I would say the same, for instance, um, I'm writing something at the moment, which I, obviously I can't tell you about. I'd have to kill you because it is for Big Finish. Um, and I'm writing something and I have to go to... I have to go anywhere but my house to to get inspired to get the plot points. Um, I'm still at the outline stage of the second episode. And um, so I'll go out and I'll be doing all kinds of other things. And they'll just be triggers. Um, the The short story I wrote was called Trigger Warning. In the and it and it starts off trigger warning. Everything is a trigger, um, and it is, um, and so th this might trigger a thought of that leads to something else, that leads to a plot point, that leads to a character, or you know. So, um, so I suppose, yeah, uh, uh, that's that's how it happens. But who do what, what do I like? What do I like writing about? Um, what makes people tick people's motives uh people's mistakes mistakes are always much more fun to write about and that terrible pickle you get in when you make a massive massive mistake you know waking up at four o'clock in the morning going why did why did i do that why did i say that those kind of things interest me and also i'm a big fan of the fairy tale you know the but the dark the dark side of the fairy tale the the Hans Christian Andersen kind of fairy tales you know the Little Mermaid is not is not about Ariel this gorgeous little girl mermaid it's about um you know a woman who uh, is given the use of some legs but will always feel pain and she's allowed to fall in love but she has her tongue removed so she can never speak and she can never sing again you know those guys <laughs> Those kind of fairy tales inspire me. That's a that's a nice broad range, actually, as well. Mm, that's that's exactly. an excellent set of stuff. Um, so one of our favourite uh, things from Big Finish, and it it it's I remember listening to it uh, shortly after it first came out. Um, after I had just moved back up into uh, university, um, but. Mm. Uh, we've we've done a few episodes as well, and we've, uh, and we've talked about it a lot on here, and we, we've both sung its praises to the high heavens. Um, but we'd be very interested to hear what it was like to work on transference with Big Finish, because um, it's very different from their usual sort of output. Yeah, um, it's mm. we always say it's Big Finish taking on a great big Sunday night ITV drama, um, mm. and and doing it really really well. Um, so we'd love to hear what what it was like uh, writing and, and working on that. Um. You know what? It was fantastic, and I was a bit scared when um, David said, "Oh, I want you to uh, I want you to write a thriller," and there are going to be, four, I think there were four of us, um, and I thought thriller. Oh, that's not really my genre, um, but actually, um, they put the four of us together, um, and we had a kind of writers' room. Not very often. We I think we met maybe three or four times but we put our weird and twisted brains together and we're all so different and we're all slightly neurodiverse. And um, 
the, the, the combination of all our brains firing in completely different directions from the other um, uh, was, was actually perfect for plotting a series. Uh, so it was exciting and I really, I, I have missed that process of having, um, you know, really odd brains working alongside mine um, because it really does kick things off that, you know, we all have, we've all got our own algorithms, haven't we? The things we follow, the things we love, our habits, um, but then you put four really different people in a room together um, and suddenly you've got this fabulous cornucopia of uh, ideas. Great. It's It was great. I loved it. I was also really relieved that I got the first two episodes so I could set everything up and not have to bother about the loose ends. <laughs> I left those to Dorney. That's quite interesting. I don't know if it was sort of out there knowledge that you'd written the first two, but um, it sort of credited on the release. It's just the four of you. It doesn't say who did which episode, that kind of thing. So was was that the case with all of it? Sort of everyone did two episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think Dorney did the last two. I did the first two, and I don't know what the order of the other four were. The other two, the other two guys, um, I just know that they're all really, you know, just great writers and all. With we've all got really quite different voices, um, which obviously you have to, you don't have to suppress it, but you have to, um, you have to be part of a whole rather than just your voice. Yeah. Um, although it was quite nice, I felt like I had a bit of control over. Uh, Alex's voice for instance because I got to create her character um, so I was yeah I was um, I was very happy with that yeah I loved uh, I loved Transfers and it, it it really does feel like this fantastic coherent as Connor said sort of ITV Sunday night thriller and it, it's yeah it it does have this incredible continuity. It is sort of very tightly plotted, tightly written, and it just I'd have loved to have been a fly on the wall for those sort of writers' rooms chats because it it really oh, does yeah. just have this amazing sort of coherence. Um, so to hear that actually it was broken up like that, almost sort of into quarters, um, yeah. it's somewhat surprising. I'd have guessed that sort of each writer was scattered throughout the series, as opposed to you were one and two, and Dorney was seven and eight, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's an absolutely wonderful release, and we'd love oh, to sort of hear more of that kind of thing from Big Finish as well, because um, it, it it really was taking on something different, and it is something that I absolutely love going back to and. It's one of those things that you kind of pick out extra little bits as you go through it again as mm. well, sort of knowing where it goes. Yeah, yeah it's it's an absolutely well, brilliant release. Watch this space. Ooh. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we we sh- we won't push any further. Because you'll just <laughs> tell us to go away over. anyway. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be so like, oh yeah, I'm going to tell you. No, no, yeah. can't tell you. <laughs> Ha, <laughs>
You get a knock on the door in the morning from uh, David Richardson. What have you been saying? Oh, no, <laughs> I know. I well, I was working with an actor, and he'd been doing um a some Disney thing, or, or it was a big thing anyway, Warner Brothers or Disney or something. And they'd all been told, um, they'd signed NDAs. They had, you know, you're not allowed to talk about this on social media. You're not allowed to post anything. You're not allowed to do this, this, and this. And he had posted literally a selfie of him in the green room. That was it with no clues as to where he was or what he was doing. And he was fired an hour after it went out on social media. Bloody hell. I know. Brutal. I know. And you think, God, it can't even be. I mean, I did um, I did a game. <laughs> I did a game last year called um, Baldur's Gate, or I can't remember how, how to pronounce it. Anyway, but we we weren't even allowed to know during it what we were working on. So I, I couldn't have spoiled it for anyone, even if I'd tried, because I didn't know what I was working on. We had the, It was just called Project Something or Other. Um, yeah, we weren't allowed to share anything or... And then, and then eventually they said, "Oh, we're releasing it. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna come out on the fifth or whatever, um, and you can share it now on social media." And I thought, "Share what? I don't even know. Can't, I don't, don't, can't remember what I played. <laughs> it's all. It was so shrouded in secrecy." And it's, it's turned out to be one of the most highly reviewed games of this year, I believe. Absolutely. It was one of my favourite jobs ever, though, because we got to wear the suits, you know, with the bubbles on and skipping around, moving in a dramatic fashion, like basically a a character in a game. It was fantastic. I loved it. I've actually just started playing it last night. and oh, I have didn't, you? I had no idea you were in it, and I'm really looking forward ah. to just listening out to hear where you are now. <laughs> ah. I, said, I need to yeah, get hold of it a... now to see if I can spot you. I play a few characters. Oh, brilliant. That's it. That's even better. There's more of a challenge. I did spot um, Glenn McCready's voice, and I was listening to it thinking, that, that voice is familiar. That's the uh, guy from Big Finish. So um, I, I was aware that, that I had to listen out for more, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited now to hear where, where, where you oh, turn up on excellent. it. Excellent. Well, you better tell me as well how good it is. I bet it's, I mean, it looks amazing. It's, it's, it's so, phenomenal. Yeah. I actually, oh, I was excited great. to get playing because I just started playing um, with a group of friends. I started playing Dungeons and Dragons about a year ago, um, and it's mm. all it's all, it's all the same universe. So um, it's wow. it's it's very exciting to get to play it in uh, video game form now as well. Yeah. Well, we we have one more question for you, and then Ooh, then we'll be let a good you go. One. Um, I hope it's a good one. Um, it's it's another big finish question. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any big finish ranges or ongoing projects that you've not worked on that you'd like to? Do you know, I, I, I'm one of, I'm one of those actresses. I, my ears prick up when I see that somebody's doing something, and I think, oh, why wasn't I in that? Even if it's an all male version of Treasure Island or something, I think I should have been in it. Why wasn't I in it? Um, and especially Big Finish, I want to be in everything. And I know I can't. I know that would be overkill. Um, but I think change my name, disguise my voice, I'll just do them just for the fun. Um, other ranges. No, I think, I mean, I think my favourite non-Doctor Who was Survivors. And I've been in that a couple of times and I've written it 
as well. Um, so that's, yeah, that would have been the one. Um, but yeah, I'm up for any of them. I mean, they're all such fun, aren't they? They're certainly a lot of fun to listen to. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of um, Jamie Anderson, uh, who does the Thunderbirds and stuff. But I don't... Do they do them via Big Finish? I know they did, because he was at a Big Finish day. That's when I'm. That's how I met him originally. Uh, that, that's Cotter Territory. I, I think... I uh. think... They record them at or with Big Finish, but it's all put out under Anderson Entertainment. I don't think Big Finish get any sort oh. of credit or anything like that. So it's, it's all sold on their site, though. I see. And the um, the worlds collide often because Jamie is, I mean, Jamie's everybody's friend. He's just the funniest, most gorgeous human being. So everybody wants to be his friend. Um, And uh, yeah, and I met him at a Big Finish day. I didn't know who he was or what his involvement was. And he, a bit like the brigadier, <laughs> fucking brigadier. Um, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't enlighten me, didn't say, oh, this is who I am. And I said, why is everyone interested in your dad? Because <laughs> <laughs> people would be coming up to him saying, oh, I loved your father. Oh, what a wonderful man he was and blah, blah, blah you know. So that was quite. So I suppose yeah, I'd quite like to do some some Thunderbird kind of thing, um, uh, but as for but for the actual big finish, you know what the big finish originals. So if they do a transference two, count me in. But that definitely wasn't you hinting that there's going to be a transference two. <laughs> I couldn't possibly tell you. Oh, I really want there to be a transference two. Mm. Well, also the the Big Finish originals. Oh, Atta Girl as well. I mean, have you have you heard Atta Girl? They're amazing. Yes. Um. So, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh yeah, they the the originals and also some of the other spin-offs come out a lot more quickly than bloody Fourth Doctor Adventures scheduled for release in you know the twenty third century. Because um, the only one, the only one I know that came out really quickly after we'd recorded it, that was a Doctor Who story, was um, Dalek Universe. Because that was out within a year, wasn't it? But obviously done under kind of exceptional circumstances. Absolutely, but that was one of those things that the you know the scripts were written quite quickly for that, and um, and they're so sharp you wouldn't. You you absolutely wouldn't know there was anything odd about the whole process. It, it I, I, I was re-listening to it fairly recently and was sort of trying to listen to it with that in mind. No, you you genuinely yeah. can't tell that they were they were written quickly. That kind of thing. It feels I know. Sort and of it's, very oh, so very solid. it's so moving, isn't it? It's so moving. I remember just being just oh, just sitting there at the end of a day, going, "Oh my god, that was so powerful! It was wonderful, really wonderful scripts." And it was tying up some fifty odd year year old plot threads from William Hartnell's era as well, and it, it was just amazing how it managed to draw out all of that from stuff that was supposedly wrapped up so long ago. 
I'm in awe of that kind of script skill continuity. I don't know how they do it. Um, it it's it's that John Dorney, isn't it? We, we've had it's him on this Dorney, podcast before, and we we ran out of time with him. Of course um, you we, did. Of course we had about did. seven there was, million there other been questions. No space. Um, yeah, no, he's like, he's an encyclopedia of Doctor Who. And a really, 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 really good Doctor Who writer. Yeah, really brilliant. Well, we've we've kept you chatting for more than an hour, so I suppose we'd probably better let you go. Oh my gosh, has it been go. so it's, long? It's been an hour wow. and five minutes, according to my cock here. And now I've said wow. that, the bit's going to be cut out and that's going to be a couple of minutes out on the final episode. <laughs> but never mind. <laughs> you know, I think put those outtakes in. I want to hear that yeah. uh, a weed in a measuring jug. I want the headline to be Jane Slavin, wheezing measuring jug during lockdown. Well, I I might have to change the title of the episode to It's the Fucking Brigadier. It's the Fucking Brigadier. I think you should. You absolutely should. We're generally a non-sweary podcast, but we do put a little sweary warning on when we have guests. Um, And that's fine. That's allowed. You've got to have a bit of effing and jeffing when it's the Brigadier. Well, obviously, yes. It's the fucking Brigadier. My God. Um, (laughs) That's important then. Yeah. And that is all we have time for. Uh, thank you so much for joining, Jane. It's been absolutely fantastic. It's been my absolute pleasure. We love having guests on this podcast. We don't do it too often, but when we do, uh, you're all absolutely amazing. So, yes, uh-huh. thank you. Ah, uh, thank you. Thank you for, for thank you for such an interesting chat. It it really has been great to chat, actually. And it it's we we always love getting these sort of insights into. Not just big finish life, but acting life, writing life. And it's it's the sort of stuff we love to share with our listeners. So, yeah, it means an awful lot. I've had a great time and it's lovely to meet you both. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, so I will say thank you and goodbye to Connor. Thank you for joining me as ever for another amazing guest episode. Thank you very much. It's been a blast. And a huge, huge thank you and goodbye to Jane Slavin. Thank you. And we shall be back for more podcasting very soon. Goodbye now. It's the fucking Brigadier.